Hey everyone, Marilyn Hughes, the Out of Body Travel Foundation. We are here today to talk about Baha'u'llah's fourth valley, the height of his mystical attainment, and some other words that he shares from the hidden words. So I'm going to be sharing with you from the seven valleys and the four valleys. We'll be talking about the fourth valley and Baha'u'llah's hidden words. So here we are. I'd like to ask you all to subscribe to our channel. Subscribing keeps us searchable on YouTube and around the internet. And also, if you could consider becoming a member for those who are able, please go ahead and click on the join button and check out the five different options for membership there. Becoming a member makes you an active partner in helping us to keep our resources free to everyone all around the world. And so that is profoundly helpful to us, and we very much appreciate our members. So let's say hello to Adriana and MT. Thank you for joining us in the chat room. Anyone else watching, feel free to jump in the chat room. And so we are going to talk about Baha'u'llah's states of mystical attainment. And he wrote this book, The Seven Valleys and the Four Valleys, um, about the spiritual journey. So, you know, this could be considered along the same lines of St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, teaching of the mystic path, the mystic way of Rumi, writing about the mystic way of uh, many of the other traditions, writing about the mystic way. This is Baha'u'llah's rendering of the spiritual path. We're going to talk about the fourth valley, which is the highest level of mystical attainment in Baha'u'llah's uh, writing. And of course, it coincides with the mystical traditions around the world and with uh, every other mystic, whether they are Sufi, Islamic, uh, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, they all have a certain line of truth that goes through them from the very beginning. Now, for those who may not be familiar with Baha'u'llah, Baha'u'llah is the prophet and founder of the Baha'i faith. So we don't hear a lot about him, but he actually lived in the 1800s. And then his son, Abdu'l-Baha, took his place in the formation of the Baha'i faith. And then Baha'u'llah's grandson, Shoghi Effendi, continued it when his son, Abdu'l-Baha, passed from this world. So we have a lot of writings from Baha'u'llah, which are very, very mystical. And then his son, Abdu'l-Baha, wrote a lot of things as well. But they're not as mystical because Abdu'l-Baha was not quite the same as his father. His father was a prophet and a profound mystic, you know. Abdu'l-Baha had a mystical side to him, but his writings are, I would say, more grounded and more focused on uh, the workings of man on earth, as well as with Shoghi Effendi, you'll see that too. But they do bring in the wisdom and knowledge from their father and grandfather, Baha'u'llah. So this is who Baha'u'llah is. I've read almost everything that he wrote, and um, I love his writings because you can really relate to him on a mystical level. And so this is 
the fourth valley. So he talks, the book is called The Seven Valleys and the Four Valleys. Um, and so we're going right to the fourth valley, which is the highest level of spiritual attainment. And this is how he describes that pinnacle of experience. So this is Balha'ullah. If the mystic knowers be of those who have reached to the beauty of the beloved one, this station is the apex of consciousness and the secret of divine guidance. This is the center of the mystery. He doth what he willeth, ordaineth what he pleaseth. Were all the denizens of earth and heaven to unravel this shining illusion, this darksome riddle, until the day when the trumpet soundeth, yet would they fail to comprehend even a letter thereof, for this is the station of God's immutable decree. Hello, Sage. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. His foreordained mystery. Hence, when searchers inquired of this, he made reply, This is a bottomless sea which none shall ever fathom. And they asked again, and he answered, It is the blackest of nights through which none can find his way. Whoso knoweth this secret will assuredly hide it, and were he to reveal but its faintest trace, they would nail him to the cross. Yet by the living God, were there any true seeker, I would divulge it to him. For they have said, Love is a light, that never dwelleth in a heart possessed by fear. Verily the wayfarer who journeyeth unto God unto the crimson pillar in the snow-white path will never reach unto his heavenly goal unless he abandoneth all that men possess. Hello, Anayel. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And if he feareth not God, God will make him to fear all things, whereas all things fear him who feareth God. Speak in the Persian tongue, though the Arab please thee more. A lover hath many a tongue at his command. How sweet is this couplet which revealeth such a truth. See, our hearts come open like shells when he raineth grace like pearls. And our lives are ready targets when agony's arrows he hurls. And were it not contrary to the law of the book, I would verily bequeath a part of my possessions to the one who would put me to death, and I would name him my heir. Yea, I would bestow upon him a portion, would render him thanks, would seek to refresh mine eyes with the touch of his hand. But what can I do? I have no possessions, no power, and this is what God hath ordaineth. Methinks at this moment I catch the fragrance of his garment, blowing from the Egypt of Baha. Verily he seemeth near at hand, though men may think him far away. My soul doth smell the perfume shed by the beloved one. My sense is filled with the fragrance of my dear companion. The duty of long years of love, obey, and tell the tale of happy days gone by. That land and sky may laugh aloud today, and it may gladden mind and heart and eye. This is the realm of full awareness, of utter self-effacement. <laughs> 
Even love is no pathway to this region, and longing hath no dwelling here. Wherefore is it said, love is a veil betwixt the lover and the beloved. Here love becometh an obstruction and a barrier, and all else save him is but a curtain. The wise Sinai hath written, Never the covetous heart shall come to the stealer of hearts, never the shrouded soul unite with beauty's rose. For this is the realm of absolute command and is free of all the attributes of earth. The exalted dwellers in this mansion do wield divine authority in the court of rapture with utter gladness, and they do bear a kingly scepter. On the high seats of justice, they issue their commands, and they send down gifts according to each man's deserving. Those who drink of this cup abide in the high bowers of splendor above the throne of the Ancient of Days, and they sit in the empyrean of might within the lofty pavilion. Not shall they know of sun or piercing cold. Here in the high heavens are in no conflict with the lowly earth, nor do they seek to excel it, for this is the land of mercy, not the realm of distinction. In my works and in my interviews, I talk a lot about the multiplicities and how our lives here on earth, we come down from oneness into multiplicities. That is our past lives, our many lives, our personalities here on earth. And that is what he speaks of. This is the land of mercy, not the realm of distinction. What he is talking about is coming from oneness into a separate multiplicity, a personality. This is the realm of distinction. This is where distinctions are made between different people, different lifetimes, different lives, different countries, different worlds. When he speaks of heaven, that is the realm where all is one. So I love the way he refers to it as the realm of distinction, which is mortal realms of which earth is one. Albeit at every moment these souls appear in a new office, yet their condition is ever the same. Wherefore of this realm it is written, no work withholdeth him from another. And of another state, it is said, every day doth some new work employ him. This is the food whose savor changeth not, whose color altereth not. If thou eatest thereof, thou shalt verily chant this verse. I turn my face to him who hath created the heavens and the earth. I am not one of those who adds gods to God. And thus did we show Abraham the kingdom of heaven and of the earth, that he might be established in knowledge. Wherefore, put thy hand into thy bosom, then stretch it forth with power, and behold, thou shalt find it a light unto all the world. How crystal this cool water that the cup bearer bringeth, 
How bright this pure wine in the hands of the beloved. How delicate this drought from the heavenly cup. May it do them good who so drink thereof and taste of its sweetness and attain to its knowledge. It is not fitting that I tell thee more, for the stream's bed cannot hold the sea. Welcome, Rajesh Daryani. Uh, Rajesh says, you are divine, my sweet sister, Marilyn. Thank you, Rajesh. That is extremely kind. Thank you very much. And I'm very happy you're here with us and are joining us. We're reading from the fourth valley of Baha'u'llah. For the mystery of this utterance is hid within the storehouse of the great infallibility and laid up in the treasuries of power. It is sanctified above the jewels of explanation. It is beyond what the most subtle of tongues can tell. Astonishment here is highly prized and utter poverty essential. Wherefore hath it been said, poverty is my pride? And again, God hath a people beneath the dome of glory, whom he hideth in the clothing of radiant poverty. These are they who see his eyes, hear with his ears, as it is written in the well-known tradition. Concerning this realm, there is many a tradition and many a verse of broad or special relevancy. But two of these will suffice to serve as a light for men of mind and heart. The first is his statement, O my servant, obey me and I shall make thee like unto myself. I say, be, and it is, and thou shalt say, be, and it shall be. And the second O son of Adam, seek fellowship with none until thou hast found me. And whenever thou shalt long for me, thou shalt find me too close to thee. Whatever high proofs and wondrous illusions are recounted herein concern but a single letter, a single point. Such hath been the way of God, and no change canst thou find in the way of God. I began this epistle some time ago in thy remembrance, and since thy letter had not reached me then, I began with some words of reproach. Now thy new missive hath dispelled that feeling and causeth me to write thee. To speak of my love for thine eminence is needless. God is a sufficient witness. For his eminence, Sheikh Muhammad, may God the exalted bless him. I shall confine myself to the two following verses which I request be delivered to him. I seek thy nearness, dearer than sweet heaven. I see thy visage, fairer than paradise bowers. When I entrusted this message of love to my pen, it refused the burden, and it swooned away. Then coming to itself, it spoke and said, Glory be to thee. To thee do I turn in penitence. And I am the first of them that believe. Praise be to God, the Lord of the worlds. Let us tell some other day the parting hurt and woe. Let us write 
some other way. Love's secrets better so. Leave blood and noise and all of these and say no more of Shams Tabriz. For those who may not know who Shams Tabriz is, Shams Tabriz was Rumi's master, the great Afghanistan poet Rumi of the Sufi tradition in Islam had a master by the name of Shams Tabriz. That's who he's referring to there. Peace be upon thee and upon those who circle around thee and attain thy meeting. What I had written ere this hath been eaten by the flies, so sweet was the ink. As Sadi said, I shall forbear from writing any longer, for my sweet words have drawn the flies about me. And now the hand can write no more, and pleadeth that this is enough. Wherefore do I say, far be the glory of thy Lord, the Lord of all greatness, from what they affirm of him. That's the fourth valley of Baha'u'llah. We'd like to share just a little bit about Baha'u'llah and his predecessor, the Bab. So interestingly, in the Baha'i faith, they had something similar to what we saw in Christianity, where in Christianity, you see that we have St. John the Baptist came as a precursor to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And what happened in uh, the Baha'i faith, the Bab came. He was a prophet as well, but he was there to announce the coming of Baha'u'llah. Interestingly, the Bab was also a great mystic. We have just one volume that covers some of the works and words of the Bab because he lived a fairly short life. And there was this really amazing miracle that I want to share with you in the life of the Bab. And in fact, it was at the time of his death. So the Bab had come to announce Baha'u'llah. And he had done so, but he had caused quite a stir. And now again, we are in uh, the time of mid-1800s, somewhere in the range of the 1830s to 1850s is this period where the Bab and the Baha'u'llah intersect. And, um, the you know, the Bab and Baha'u'llah came into Islam and they were announcing this new faith. And the Baha'i faith actually acknowledges all the previous prophets, not just the prophets of the book, being the Old Testament, but also the other great religions of the world, like Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism. They acknowledge all the lines of the prophets. And in the Baha'i faith, they consider all of these as revelations that build upon one another to come to the time of Baha'u'llah, um, where he brings in his revelation. But they honor all of the paths. And that is one of the interesting things about the Baha'i faith. Um, but at the time of the Bab, he created quite a stir. And this is why, because they were coming in and announcing 
that they were actually the second coming of the imam. In the, in the early, I'm going to tell this how I know it, which may not be exactly correct. So if anyone wants to correct me, feel free. But there was in the Islamic tradition also a prophecy that there would be the coming of a second imam, uh, coming very similar to there would be another coming in this path. Um, Baha'u'llah also would um, culminate from the prophecies of Christianity of a second coming of Christ. And so there was kind of this merging of all of these prophetic things from all these faiths. And because the Baha'i faith was much more inclusive and very different from Islam, and it was the mid-1800s, um, the Bob created a huge stir. And so this is the miracle I wanted to share. And hello, John. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you being here. So the Bob was cornered by um, an army. And they were going to literally just, you know, uh, put him up against the pillar and have a firing squad kill him. And um, so this happens. So he's put up against the pillar and he just remains calm. And they fire literally hundreds of rounds at the Bob. And when they were finished, he hadn't been touched by a single bullet. He was fine. And this is the miracle. Now, they were all astonished, overwhelmed, confused, etc. But they would not be uh, stopped in their intentions. So <laughs> they, they went ahead and tried again. And I'm not sure if it was on the second or the third try, but then they did martyr the Bob. There were many martyrs in the Baha'i faith, especially in the early Baha'i faith. I know that there was Tahiri Kanum, who was um, one of the female martyrs of the early faith that is given great reverence in the Baha'i faith. So the Bob was able to uh, be the part of be a part of that amazing miracle. Now, the other thing I wanted to share as well, just about Baha'u'llah, was for all the same reasons, he spent a lot of his life in prisons, in pretty shabby prisons. And that's when, you know, when you hear in his words him talking about how um you know, he has nothing and he doesn't even have his freedom. And um, so you understand he's probably writing in prison. And of course, when he would come and go out of prison, he didn't have much and he was always being pursued. So because he was controversial, quite controversial. And so it was difficult for him. And so when you hear him talking about that, know that that is what happened to him. Ironically, you know, St. John of the Cross, who we've talked a lot about, also was held prisoner, ironically, by his own order. He was held prisoner 
in the monastery. And it was in that state that he wrote the Ascent of Mount Carmel and many of his greatest works. So um, we do find in the mystic tradition that some of the greatest work has come from people who were in prison. I'll give you a couple more examples. John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, did so in prison. Dante Alighieri wrote The Divine Comedy, wrote it in prison. And, you know, there is a certain thing, I think, that happens in these cases where these people are imprisoned and all of the outer senses and everything that stimulates it is taken from them. And they do sometimes experience extreme and profound interior experiences, out-of-body experiences, mystical experiences. Pilgrim's Progress is another book that I feel was given to John Bunyan. And he talks about it in others of his writings about how God gives him what he writes. So here's just a little bit of Baha'u'llah's words from The Hidden Words, which is one of the most well-known writings of his. It's a very small one. And don't let you don't let yourself be fooled by these because um, Baha'u'llah was very prolific and wrote volumes of amazing, beautiful mystical work. I have them all. It's in the other room, so I can't show them to you. But he wrote the tablets of Baha'u'llah, um, the Kitabi Agan, um, the Kitabi Akdas. Um, and they're just, there's a whole bunch, you know, it's a shelf full of books about this much, you know, so he wrote quite a bit. And then of course, his son and his grandson, they were very prolific as well. I wouldn't say equally prolific, but almost pretty darn close, you know, but Baha'u'llah was the mystic among them. And that's what made him unique because he was the mystic and a prophet as well. So here we are just bumping in here to an area that I wanted to share where he says, and what he has in, you know, the hidden words are just little sections and they're numbered. I'm starting a number 29, but they're just little like vignettes of mystical wisdom that he shares. Oh, son of bounty, out of the wastes of nothingness with the clay of my command, I made thee to appear and have ordained for thy training every atom in existence and the essence of all created things. Thus ere thou didst issue from thy mother's womb, I destined for thee two founts of gleaming milk, eyes to watch over thee and hearts to love thee. Out of my loving kindness, beneath the shade of my mercy, I nurtured thee and guarded thee by the essence of my grace and favor. And my purpose in all this was that thou mightest attain my everlasting dominion and become worthy of my invisible bestowals. And yet heedless thou didst remain. And when fully grown, thou didst neglect all my bounties and occupied thyself with thine idle imaginings in such wise that thou didst become wholly forgetful and turning away from the portals of the friend didst abide within the courts of my enemy. 
O bond slave of the world, many a dawn hath the breeze of my loving kindness wafted over thee and found thee upon the bed of heedlessness fast asleep, bewailing then thy plight, it returned whence it came. O son of earth, wouldst thou have me seek none other than me? And wouldst thou gaze upon my beauty? Close thine eyes to the world and all that is therein, for my will and the will of another than me, even as fire and water cannot dwell together in one heart. Adriana says, Paul wrote while in prison to the Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Similarly, very excellent point. Thank you, Adriana, for uh, bringing that out. That is absolutely true. He did write a great deal. And, you know, that even reminds us of St. John and the book of Revelation, the apocalypse of John was written while he was on the island of Patmos, a prisoner there, um, a prison where the prisoners had to do a great deal of work, uh, very heavy duty, physical labor work. Many of the people who were imprisoned there did not survive it, you know. So excellent point. Thank you, Adriana, for pointing that out. Very good point. Oh, befriended stranger, the candle of thine heart is lighted by the hand of my power. Quench it not with the contrary winds of self and passion. The healer of all thine ills is remembrance of me. Forget it not. Make my love thy treasure and cherish it even as thy very sight and life. O my brother, hearken to the delightsome words of my honeyed tongue and quaff the stream of mystic holiness from my sugar-shedding lips. Sow the seeds of my divine wisdom in the pure soil of thy heart and water them with the water of certitude, that the hyacinths of my knowledge and wisdom may spring up fresh and green in the sacred city of thy heart. O dwellers of my paradise, with the hands of loving kindness I have planted in the holy garden of paradise the young tree of your love and friendship, and have watered it with the goodly showers of my tender grace. Now that the hour of its fruiting is come, strive that it may be protected and be not consumed with the flame of desire and passion. O oh, my friends, quench ye the lamp of error and kindle within your hearts the everlasting torch of divine guidance. For ere long the assayers of mankind shall in the holy presence of the adored Accept naught but purest virtue and deeds of stainless holiness. So I hope you've enjoyed a little intro to Baha'u'llah, one of my favorite mystics. Um, he's also a prophet. But what I really enjoyed in his writings is the fact that he is a profound mystic. And he speaks of these highest states of mystic you know, contemplation of the transformative summits, all of the things that we are speaking of. So I will be doing another live stream in just a moment.
and we are going to explore Hildegard von Bingen's mystical summits. Um, I'd like to ask everyone to please subscribe to our channel. That helps us to become more searchable and findable on YouTube and all over the internet. And if you can, please consider becoming a member by clicking on the join button in the top upper right corner of our YouTube channel. And you will find that there are five different options for membership and memberships help us to keep our resources free to everyone in the world. And this is so important because there are millions of souls that cannot be reached unless it remain free. So we thank all of our members, all of our subscribers, and everyone who's joined us here today. Thank you so much. Adriana says, thank you. This was all new to me about the Baha'i faith. Oh, that's interesting. So thank you for letting me know that. I will consider sharing more of my uh, little fun, you know, studies of many of the faiths that I went through over the decades um, because I did study them in deep detail. And there is so much there that is fascinating and sometimes not you know, commonly known. And so I'm glad to know that. And um, I will definitely put that in my head for future live streams as well. And I hope you will all join me in just a few moments where we will be talking about Hildegard von Bingen's mystical summits. And we will see you there. Adriana says, I have been reading in the mysteries. That's fantastic. The Mysteries of the Redemption, a treatise on out-of-body travel and mysticism. It's a book of mine. Let me see if I can reach it and show it to you real quick. Um, you can, oh, let's see, where'd it go? There it is. That's this one. Um, you can download this for free at outofbodytravel.org along with all of my books. They're all downloadable for free. Um, but this is the one I tell people to start with. It's a, it's a pretty good size book. You can read it in this form or in this other format where we have it separated out into five books. Here's the first, Prelude to a Dream, Passage to the Ancient, Medicine Woman Within a Dream, Absolute Disillusion of Body and Mind, and The Mystical Jesus. Now, this is a little bit more of a, an easier-to-read format for people who don't like the smaller print or just the bigger volume involved in this version. So you can read it in this version or in the five-part series, whatever works best for you. So that's The Mysteries of the Redemption that Adriana just mentioned. And so I will see you all in just a few moments. Remember to subscribe if you can become a member and come back in a few minutes and join me where we will be taking a deep dive into Hildegard von Bingen.